Hey everyone, I'm Sydney. I'm Anjana. And I'm Epsa, and welcome to Reimagined. So, the three of us recently graduated from college, and now we're navigating the world of post-grad experiences during a year that definitely has been quite the catalyst for change. This podcast is going to be a platform for young women to think critically about the society we currently live in and have meaningful discussions on creating a better future. Every Thursday, two of us will be interviewing women who are rethinking and reshaping our workplaces, politics, the environment, entire industries, or even just their own lives. So follow us as we navigate our own personal and professional journeys and meet some kick-ass women along the way. We hope their stories empower you to reimagine your own journey. Whatever you're passionate about, reimagine it. Happy New Year, everyone. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> I just like, I don't I know, know. What, what month we're in. Uh, it feels a little bit belated, I guess. We are, it, it is like January 20th. Well, it is still January, but you know, we're, we're sorry for slacking everyone. <laughs> but we're really excited to be back um, and very much looking forward to kicking off this season of the podcast. I think one of our goals for these episodes and for the podcast in general has been to explore topics that um, really get at the, you know, what, what it's really like to go through the post-grad experience and like all of the ups and downs from finance to, you know, mental health, um, which, you know, we're, we're trying to bring more transparency and honest conversations about the different struggles that, we go through as new grads. There are many. (laughs) Um, So we did want to start out this episode too, with just being kind of honest about where we are with our lives, you know, now almost two years, (laughs) two years Um, post-grad. Yeah. I mean, Sid, do you want to start (laughs) sharing a story? What's, what's been going on with you? Yeah. Yeah. I think like it's, um, It's been definitely hard to find balance, I think, uh, especially working like a very high stress, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, time consuming job. I feel like I, like my main struggle right now is just finding time to like take care of myself and also like invest in friendships in the city, um, explore and like meet other people I think my job has just been really draining Um, and you know it can take like a really big uh emotional toll on you when you're just in that like very stressful environment and Mm -hmm. like not getting enough sleep during the week Mm -hmm. so that's been something that's like been definitely hard for me to learn like how to navigate you know yeah and it's yeah I feel like we put so much you especially I feel like you put so much pressure on yourself to like mm-hmm. just be at 100% all the time you know yeah, um, which isn't sustainable it isn't no and like you try to do it with your work you try to do it with your friendships and like mm-hmm. I don't know something has to give eventually you know so I know mm-hmm. I know it's been something you've been struggling with I feel like for me too it's like balance as well but in a different way um yeah. I feel like for me something I've really been struggling with these last two years Um, since like March 2020 has been like identity kind of like loss or an identity crisis I guess like a quarter life kind of (laughs) thing um I I feel like so much of my identity in college specifically was like you know and this this is so so humble of me um (laughs) but just always you know being like the overachiever like always being you know I feel like if anyone had had like words to describe me like they'd always say you know so like driven or like um accomplished or like just mm-hmm. just always working always busy like always doing something right. yeah um and I felt like I had definitely lost like all of that since COVID started like lost all sense of motivation mm-hmm. like I really can barely bring myself to do anything now um yeah. and you know that's been a real struggle for me for the last two years and and mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's hardest because like now I'm like okay if I'm not any of those things if I'm not a high achiever if I'm not you know constantly working towards something then who am I? And like, because my worth was so tied to those things, like, you know, feelings of like worthlessness or like feelings like I'm not doing enough, like all those things are very real. Um, 
spend lots of lots of nights crying about that. Um, but you know, I do feel like with this move, oh yeah, also one of the reasons we are late to this podcast <laughs> this year is because I just moved to San Francisco finally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like with this move, like hopefully a new environment um can yeah. I guess like change some things, but it is that balance, right? Like I don't want to go back to that version of me that was mm-hmm. like overworked you know, crying from anxiety, like from having like a million different things to do. Always busy. And like, I don't want to be that person anymore either. So like, I think there is a balance, like finding a fine line. Um, But yeah, I am excited about this episode because we did, I mean, going through all these things, you know, we talk about it between the two of us. We talk about it Mm -hmm. with our friend, our close friends, but this episode is super special for us. And we hope it is for you too, because we found someone who, you know, I mean, honestly, we spent a good couple months looking for the perfect person to talk <laughs> about this. Um, so we found a really awesome woman. Her name is Divya Robin. She is a mental health counselor and New York City-based therapist, educator, and advocate who got her master's in counseling psychology from Columbia University. Um, I will say, and it's like, it was very important for us to like bring intersectionality into not only this episode, but like all the episodes that we do, right? And so for this one specifically, we picked out Divya, not just because of the awesome content she produces on Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, but for also for her lived experience. And, you know, as her website says, uh, my lived experience is one of my greatest tools as a first generation South Asian immigrant to be aware of multicultural issues and be curious about how, how culture, oppression and systemic racism impact one's mental health. These are this is so, so important for us. And so we're very grateful that we were able to find her. Um, and her whole thing, she runs, she runs a program called Mind Matters with Mind Matters with Div. Um, and she says it's a place for us to all be human together, to be curious about ourselves, to know that, you know, you're not alone and that we are all on our mental health journeys unique to each and every one of us. And this is a place to find that glimpse of hope in a community of humans who are all struggling in their own way. Mm-hmm. So we really, Sid and I both really hope that this is a little therapy session for each of you. Divya, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, We're really excited to have you on the podcast and have our first official episode on mental health. It's something that our listeners have been looking forward to. And, you know, we started this podcast during the pandemic. So this is something uh, that Anjana and I have also been looking forward to uh, having an episode on. So thank you again for, for being here. Thank you. And I'm so excited to be having this conversation with the both of you. I think it's such an important one and one that honestly, I've never been approached to do any kind of speaking on this topic, which is so interesting because it's so prevalent. So I think that this will be a really good episode. Awesome. Well, we're glad we're, we're the first and we hope we're not the last either. Um, but for those who you know may not be familiar with what you do and you know with your Instagram profile as well, um, I was reading a bit more about you know, that about me on your website, and it sounds like therapy or counseling has been something that like you've had your eyes set on since mm-hmm. childhood. Um, but again, for those who may not be so familiar, could you talk us through a little bit more about your journey, um, how you got to where you are today, um, and also kind of what led you to start pushing more content like on social media around topics of mental health too? Yeah. Yeah. So when I had started thinking about therapy um, and wanting to be a therapist, I had no idea that I would ever be posting on social media. I mean, social media was like not even a thing when I was in like middle school, like kind of emerging, like the end of high school, early college for me, but it was not something um, that I was aware of, but psychology was something that always really interested me. And it was when I was in sixth grade, we had to write a paper on what, like what you want to be when you grow up. It was for our English class. Mm -hmm. And I, like my whole life, I had been like told, like, and kind of just nudged in the direction of being a medical doctor of like, oh, Divya, like you should be a doctor. Like, just like like a lot of my family, they're either doctors or engineers. Found families. Yep, exactly, (laughs) exactly. And so I was always like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. Like until the age of 11, when anyone would ask me what I wanted to be, I would say a doctor. And then Mm -hmm. when I was supposed to write this paper, I don't know what it was, but 
I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. Like that is not the path for me. And I started researching on more careers. I, I like remember literally being on the internet, like we didn't have laptops and it was just like that massive like, computer and I was sitting on it researching. And I found more about um, therapists and counselors. And I was really interested in that. I'd always been interested in like human behavior and like learning more about why people did things. Um, mm-hmm. Even when I heard about just like things in my family or like in friend groups, I'd always be like, why did you do that? Or what were you thinking? Or what were you feeling? Like peculiar questions that a 10 year old doesn't usually ask. So that was something that always drew me. Um, so yeah, ever since then, and I found that when I was on my little researching spree and I really felt so drawn and committed to it. And ever since then, I really had just like kind of aligned my life in doing that. And I know that's not everyone's story when it comes to their career. There's a lot of therapists who it's like their second or third career, but in this point, you know, it's my first and I've been really set on it and I've been feeling like, I just feel very blessed that that's where I'm at now. So yeah, that was part, that's part of my journey. That's awesome. Well, I I just think it's super interesting, Divya, that you said like you were, this is the first time you've been approached about this topic because I feel like in recent years, mental health has gotten so much less stigmatized, which is awesome. But I think when we, you know, discuss mental health, it's always, not always, but most of the time around, you know, grief or trauma um, and not necessarily so much around transitions and life transitions that don't really feel like important enough you know, in a sense to be talked about, um, the way that other things might be. Um, and so this transition into adulthood, which is actually, you know, how I first found you, um, it was a thread on one of your threads on Instagram. I think it was called emotional growing pains or like, you know, into adulthood and stuff. And, um, when we also found you, which is interesting, when I found you, you were at like nine K followers and now you're double that at 18,000, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I would love to know, you know, maybe thinking back to when you graduated college, what were some of the emotions that you were going through? um, Or what did you struggle with, if anything? Yeah, I, for me, I really struggled with those growing pains. And in the way like that was why I that thread was inspired of emotional growing pains, because I feel like exactly what you said, we don't talk about that. Because when you're when you're graduating college, I remember being told, like, it's supposed to be this exciting time. The world is your oyster, like mm-hmm. everything you've wanted, you can achieve. And honestly, I, I mean, I always thought I was going to go straight to grad school and I didn't do that. I ended up taking a year off in between because my senior year, I like, and, and you, I, I was very open just now saying like, I knew I wanted to be a therapist. Like this was my path. I always knew I wanted to go to graduate school and, you know, go that whole route. But when I came to senior year, even though that was always part of my plan, I was like, I'm not prepped to take the GRE. I feel so emotionally overwhelmed. I feel so lost. But I, and so for me too, I, it took me a while to admit to myself that like, okay, it's going to be a year of just like growing. It'll be fine. And, you know, I can take a year in between. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was something that I had gone through that was different than what I planned because I, like I said, I feel like people are so like, it's, you can do whatever you want. And, you know, this is your time to thrive. And I remember being, after my graduated being like, I am not thriving. I am living in my mom's house. (laughs) I am not feeling too great about myself. I thought I would be in grad school right now. I have not even bought my books for the GRE. Um, So it was bittersweet, like graduating because I was feeling happy that, you know, I really felt like my four years of undergrad had served me really well. I had a community there. Um, at the time that community looks very different now. And I imagine that we're going to talk about that with the growing pains, but then also sad because I was like, this is not what I imagined. Like, I didn't think that this is where I'd be when I was graduating college. So I was kind of disappointed in myself. Um, I felt guilt about just like not being where I thought that I would be. And I felt a lot of just like shame with comparison. I think it was so hard around social media because I would just be seeing people being like, I'm moving here. I'm going to this school. I'm going to med school, law school. And I'm like, cool. I'm scrolling, sitting in my childhood room Mm -hmm. that I like would be laying in this bed at five years old. And I'm here now at 22. (laughs) So, you know, it's different. Yeah. That sounds almost like too relatable for a little too identical (laughs) and for for Anjan as well, because what we both graduated uh, last year during the pandemic. So, I mean, the same thing, we like moved home you know, the big city move was delayed. Um, Obviously Mm -hmm. the job market was 
not what we have want had wanted to go into like being a college graduate so yeah it's totally true what like everything that you're saying about like the there's also just this expectation almost it's like mm-hmm. oh you've graduated like you've gotten your first job like it's supposed to be a bit nerve-wracking but also exciting and I feel like one of the things that we've also been struggling with a lot is losing like the identity that we cultivated during college like you mentioned you know in undergrad for you you had found that um like really strong community there and like same thing for us whether it's through like clubs or like social groups whatever um now it's like it seems like the leading um conversation starter is like oh hey like what do you do for work like where do you work you know what do you do um so on this topic of kind of like recreating or, or finding yourself again outside of work, do you have any tips um, related to that? Yeah. Well, first off, I want to normalize so much of how a lot of us have internalized that like our identity is tied to work or our degree or school, because like, think about it from the time we were young, like exactly what I was telling people, like, I want to be a doctor. I was being yeah. asked that question all the time. Like, yeah. what do you want to be when you grow up? And then it goes to the question of like, where do you want to go to college? What do you want to major in? And then yeah. it's like, then when you're in college, it's like that main question of where are you interning? Like, what are you doing with this growing degree? And then you graduate. And the first question is like, what job do you have? So like so much of like, what other messages are we going to tell ourselves? It's right. like, that is what we are working toward. Like we mm-hmm. are functioning beings who are needing to succeed and have these titles. So in the first yeah. place, like that is so common because just think about the way we're socialized. So mm-hmm. I think to first acknowledge that and then starting to be like, there are so many other great things about me that's not tied to my own self. And to remember that like society might not always function in that same way, though that doesn't mean that your only your work is only tied to school or your job. I had to like really learn that just because that's a question that people mostly ask me, it has more to do with our social conditioning versus like people are only interested in that about me mm-hmm. because it's so socialized. Um, so that's the first thing I want to say, but in terms of tips, I think to really find spaces that you feel authentic, that is outside of work and school. And for me, honestly, that became social media. Like I didn't think it would be the case, but it became something that's like, i kind of unconventional that is different. And I think to find communities where you feel like you can really be authentic, but don't feel so performative, because I think in the communities around like work, school, internships, academia, we just feel like performing. Like mm-hmm. I'm working toward this goal. I'm working toward right. getting this grade. I'm working toward this promotion, toward this salary. But like find spaces where you're like, I'm not really working toward anything. I'm just being me. Yeah, um, yeah that can be one of the first ones. Yeah. I think this is like the podcast for us. We're like, okay, we don't really know where this is going, but we love, love the community that it's cultivating. And like, I, I, I was just telling Sydney yesterday. Um, so on the same kind of thread about identity, um, one of the, I guess, like surprising things about post-grad life and something I wasn't expecting to struggle with. Um, so early in my twenties, I guess, was realizing that who I thought I was going to be is not who I am becoming and like constantly struggling to reconcile those two different versions of me I guess you know in college and I kind of laugh about this now but like in college whenever someone would ask me oh like what do you want to be um what do you want to be doing and you know I'd always say like I want to be CEO of some big tech company or whatever and now looking back I'm like I would not want at all like the companies that I was thinking of working for like I wouldn't even want to work for them um let alone be CEO but like sometimes I'm like well what if I just want to I don't know like kayak and bake I don't like what if I don't want to be someone and there is a lot of for me personally like a lot of shame that comes with thinking that way and or like shame and realizing that I'm not as the same person that I was um but I guess I like, do you have any advice for that and you know if you were going through that like how did you yeah, through it? yeah I think that, like the first thing I want to normalize with that and that I even struggled a lot with myself is that like 
we live so much like having this like perceived idea of what life is going to be and like it's only a perception and then like we start to actually live it and that's when the real stuff hits right and we can understand if it really aligns with our values and then aligns with our our own meaning and our personality and like we can totally go ahead and live out and do things that don't make us happy or don't bring us meaning or don't bring us fulfillment but that's a lot of the time when we end up feeling burnt out and so like we can have this perception growing up like of I want to be xyz like for you of like I want to be a CEO of a tech company and like that's a perception that doesn't really have any kind of like emotion other than excitement attached to it but in reality experiences have a wide range of emotions right like you actually are a CEO of a tech company I imagine there'll be times that you do feel excited but there're probably going to be times that you feel like really anxious and fearful and depressed and it's almost like the only thing that can keep us through experiencing that wide wide range of emotions is having values towards something having something be meaningful like that's what gives us the motivation to live with the fact that there's a wide span of emotions because otherwise you know we're like this doesn't really mean a lot to me so like I don't really want to do this um and so for me like i always thought things would be like a certain way with growing up when i was like oh i want to be a doctor but now like looking at it i'm like i i i'm so happy that i'm a therapist i mean some days i'm like dang i do wish i was a doctor because it's so much easier at least in my community to explain what being a doctor is <laughs> than to, than a therapist but you know like yeah. in those moments short temporarily i'm like oh maybe i should have done that but then i'm like no because that's not what really brings me meaning i think it's really when you start to focus on like internal meaning and validation of like this is for me like i am enough in my own being and in my own roles than like looking for it externally because if we look for it externally we're like never going to feel fulfilled and it's never going to feel up to par because we can't control other people's expectations so mm-hmm. i think really focusing inward and not like trying to get validation from like even though we love validation from people around us you know it's it's natural to want that but like not letting the only source of us continuing forward being like validation from our family or validation that you did a good job with your boss or validation from like your friends but being like my own validation is enough because then we're not on this hamster wheel of constantly trying to strive to get validation we feel confident in our own being that's great advice what do you do when like maybe you don't know yet what brings you value I guess or like what makes you specifically happy I mean the your 20s are obviously a stage of like exploring and stuff do you have any suggestions of like how do you find that thing yeah I think that I think the first thing is like being okay that you're exploring being okay that you are gonna try and you might absolutely hate something or you might absolutely love it I don't know but like being okay to like fall to the ground fail hate it be humiliated like accepting that that's part of the process because again when we think to our social conditioning of what we were told our whole life it's like get to the next step and do a good job at it so then we have this like ingrained thing that like okay i have to do something but i have to be good at it so that keeps us stuck a lot of the time and so starting to acknowledge and be like i'm going to try to do these but like i might not like it i might not be good at it like I remember I was so scared to start my instagram i wanted to have like i had a google doc of Instagram ideas and blog posts since 2015, like wow. 2015. And I didn't do anything about it because I was so terrified. I was like, I don't know anything about social media, like, yeah. like even for this, right? Like you sent me an updated Google thing and I was like, I don't know what where that is. Like, <laughs> I was just like I, I'm not good at that stuff. Like, yeah. so I just kept all of this like on a Google drive, like, thank God I could find that. But you know, and I was like, I'm not going to make an Instagram. Like, I don't put myself out there. Like my posts will probably look crappy. Like, I don't know. And you know, in the beginning, I definitely like didn't have very much like guidance. And I sometimes like look back at my first few posts and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's, it, but it's part of growing, right? Like yeah. I'm now like, I'm feeling so much more comfortable in my brand and like happy with what I've built. But it took not being good at it in the beginning and like having no idea what I'm doing. And it took that I was like the only ones liking my posts for like my friends <laughs> that I was like, please like my post, <laughs> you know, but being, not being good at it. And I think that's the yeah. first thing that lets us start exploring spaces mm-hmm. because when we go into it with trying to be good at it and like, it requires also unlearning that idea that we have to be good at things because that mm-hmm. is such an ingrained and learned idea that so many of us hold. So starting to unlearn that can also open the doors to exploring more opportunities. Like 
really wholeheartedly for you to start understanding if it feels authentic and meaningful to you. Yeah. I've kind of started applying my 20s as the age of unlearning. That's that's kind of been the theme. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think it really is. That's a really great way to describe it. Yeah. And it's also like, I think too, along the lines of what you're saying, especially with like starting like the Instagram and and going like, you know, starting this whole journey on social media as well. I feel like oftentimes there are things that we like might like to do. Like you were saying, you had all of these ideas since like 2015, but like we can really let fear kind of just hold us back too, because it is scary to like to fail. And like you were saying, we are taught to do the exact opposite of that, right. In like everything we do. Um, but I think those are all like really great tangible tips and also, you know, and it's similar, I think it falls into kind of how we have this idea of like comparison as well. And like comparing ourselves to others. I think that's something that also holds us back a lot is, you know, especially like in your twenties and like this post-grad kind of phase, you know, everyone's doing something a little bit different. Like I know some people who are already like getting married and having families and I'm like, wow, okay. That's like not even on my, my radar yet. Like power to you love it. But you know, others are also like progressing really quickly in their careers. Kind of like, again, like externally, we see like all of these measures of success Um, other than practicing gratitude, which is something that we feel like we hear a lot. What are some steps to kind of just like stop that thought process of comparing yourself to others, letting it get you down um, and really taking that time and finding that space to focus on yourself? Yeah, that's a great question because seriously, comparison is like the thing that I think gets us so in the way of ourselves. And also the twenties are really weird time after graduation, because like you had said, everyone is in a different time of life. And I feel like we feel it so prominently because again, you're so used to like everyone being kind of around the life stage as you, like you're first in elementary school, everyone's taking the same classes. Then you're like, same thing, middle school, high school, college, like there's somewhat of a variety, but you all are predominantly on the same track. Like, yeah, you're doing different internships, taking different classes, but you're all living somewhat of a similar college life. And then bam, you graduate and people are all over the place. Their skills really flourish in different ways. So it's, hard because there's more things that you feel you can compare yourself to because there's more differences like when we don't have as many differences with people we're not comparing ourselves as much but then like you have all these stark differences so comparison becomes a really big thing I want to first normalize comparison and this is something that people like really get shocked by when especially in therapy sessions where they bring up comparison and I'm like so you're comparing yourself to them like so what like comparison is actually like it used to be a survival tactic, right? Like if you think about it, like evolutionarily, we, we needed to just compare ourselves. And I was reading about this um, when I was reading about the science of comparison that like we actually compared ourselves before to be able to like stay alive, like to gauge what other people are doing in order to survive. And so that is something that is an ingrained normal human behavior, but it started to be something that's such a source of unhappiness. And so for me, that was super fascinating when I was reading about that because it really shifted the way that I looked at comparison in a way of instead of it being the enemy, like it being something that's there and like kind of allowing it because just because comparison exists doesn't mean it needs to control us. Like it's just Mm -hmm. like our emotions. Like we can't control Mm -hmm. our emotions. Emotions come up but they don't need to be sitting in the driver's seat. We can like put them aside and be like, okay, I'm having these thoughts that I'm comparing myself and I don't need to listen to it. I can still take behaviors toward fostering my own growth toward self-compassion, even if comparison is coming up. Comparison doesn't have to immediately mean like I'm a loser, I'm a failure, but like acknowledging that, okay, I'm doing something that's perfectly human to do, but it doesn't change how capable I am. So I think it's like changing the way we look at comparison can also be really powerful. And for me, ever since I started reframing it in that way, it's really helped me. Right, right. I I feel like, you know, I'm curious about your own personal experience coming, you know, from an immigrant family mm-hmm. um, and also, doing a pretty non-traditional career path for, you know, for an immigrant family. And I'm sure that's come up a lot, you know, talking not only about comparison, but 
um, just like that fear of failure, like, et cetera, et cetera. How do you, I guess, like, how did you, especially in your early twenties when that was, I'm sure a source of pressure, um, I guess, like have those conversations either with yourself or with, you know, people close to you to kind of move away from that stigmatized, I guess, mindset. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so hard for me. And it's something that even to this day, it's like better, but it totally is when it's like non-traditional. I do feel like there was a lot of comparison. Um, I think in my community in general, I had noticed a lot of comparison, like even growing up between like, look at this kid, they got this, or when college admissions were coming around, it's like, so-and-so's kid got into Stanford, like so-and-so's mm-hmm. kid got in here. And you're like, oh my gosh, cool. I'm like waiting for acceptance letters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think that that was something that was really hard. And for a lot of the time, my career, I was trying so hard to like get this external acceptance and I would be like doing everything. I had so many internships in college. I did so many research opportunities. Like by the time I applied to grad school, like my CV was so long. I remember I was getting it edited and I had had um, a advisor be like, you've only had one year out of college and your CV, like, how do you have this much experience? But I was like, (laughs) I literally threw myself into everything. I burnt myself out because I wanted that external approval. Like I wanted to show people like, look how hard I'm working, like validate this, even if it's different, like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's takes a lot of time and I'm busy. And I think I just wanted to be like the busiest person in the room to Mm -hmm. get this external acceptance. Um, I really have tried to shift that. And I think with really surrounding myself in communities where they don't care about that. And I'm not saying my family or my community cared. I think I perceived them to care more than maybe they did because I was searching for something, but like shifting the narrative to having more internal validation of like, I am doing what I can. Like I am in a place that I am doing what is fulfilling to me. Like a lot of my family have no clue or do not understand what I'm doing on social media or they see my social media posts, but they don't bring it up because I don't think they really know how to navigate it. Like, I think it's, it is confusing. They're probably like, oh, you're like, because no one knows what like a reel is. Like, I was trying to learn that. So I remember like my cousin a few weeks ago was like, so like, what's up with these reels? And it's very untraditional. So I think instead of trying to like look for external validation, I'm trying to find it within myself. I'm placing myself in situations that, you know, appreciate what I do and like whether that means I'm in a lot of therapist communities now um I join like supervision groups training groups Mm -hmm. so I really have like my world and what means a lot to me and I think really embracing that and finding myself in these spaces and being really intentional about that that's been really helpful and also just like validating when I want external validation in terms of being like yeah that would have been really nice if um someone understood it this way when we speak non-traditionally um my husband, he is an engineer. And so in the immigrant Indian community, that is very much like, oh my gosh, that is so great. And so people ask him a lot about his career. And a lot of people don't ask me about mine. And I used to so much be like, that means like I did the wrong thing. Like, why do people not externally validate my career? But the more I've started to validate my own career, it doesn't really bother me when people do that anymore. It used to like really bother me. And I compare myself to him and other people and I think really shifting that internal narrative can be really powerful and being like it's not my fault or their fault that they don't know what kind of work I do it's just not what they were taught like it wasn't the traditional career so it's not like they're trying to be like mean to me to not ask me about my job they just don't know enough about it so like Mm -hmm. shifting the narrative that that's okay they don't know that and that they have more to talk to my husband about because they are an engineer who knows how to talk to another engineer my career still is valuable my career still is worthy Mm -hmm. and like that internal validation instead of only seeking external has been very helpful for me. I love that. I think it's just something we need to practice. Um, and it's also it's hard. Yeah. It's hard because mm-hmm. we're taught to like want external validation, right? right? Like we're not mm-hmm. really taught the practice of internal validation. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of shame comes from it. Like when we're validating ourselves, it can be like, why are you doing that? Or like, you know, we just feel like, like selfish, but we're not being yeah. selfish. We're caring for ourselves. Like we should yeah. care for ourselves just like we do for other people. Imagine someone like not validating another person. They're going through something hard and you're like, that's not even hard to get over it. What's wrong with you? Like we would never say that. To right. Like, why are we talking to ourselves that way? Right. Um, right. I also think it's funny, not funny, but like just that you brought up like the whole being busy is being successful thing. That's yeah. not something I learned or like kind of opened my eyes to until my first year out of college where like 
my entire GCAL was so full throughout wow. college just to like, you know, like you do all the things that, like I said, like you were supposed to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, and I love the things that I did, but so burnt out all the time. And just like, yeah. you know, again, kind of that conversation around the people that I was around were always kind of associating busy with success. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's, it's interesting that you brought that up. Um, and I know you also kind of mentioned just like reframing how you think about when it comes to, you know, family and friends, like reframing your mindset around it. But one of our listener questions was more around like setting boundaries as well when, um, you know, like you you can do your, the best, you know, your most or whatever, but sometimes you just need to set boundaries with friends and family. So how do you, I guess, you know, when it comes to these conversations um, around work, around, you know, relationships, et cetera, like how, what do you suggest in terms of like setting boundaries? Yeah. Yeah. Setting boundaries. We all know it's important. I feel like increasingly online and social media, I've been seeing boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And the thing with boundaries is that, yes, it's important, but the first step is the step that I think a lot of us miss and why our boundaries don't end up being successful or we don't end up feeling like they're working is because before even setting boundaries with other people, like we have to validate our own boundaries. If we want boundaries from other people, like we have to honor and validate them and see a meaning in them. Like I really need this. So it's like, if I'm trying to set boundaries around my work and being like, I'm not going to be working more than, I don't know, 40 hours a week. I have to really tell myself that that is important for me because what reasons? Because let's say my mood is better and I get more sleep and like for my own self, really buy into like why that boundary is important because if I'm going into that boundary being like but if it is a week that it's like this I could work 50 or I could work 60 it just depends like I'm not having a strong boundary in the first place and like I don't see the value in it fully because clearly I'm okay flexing around with that boundary and so going and asking other people to follow your boundaries like we have to model our own boundaries so like if we are have trying to have boundaries with other people but they don't see us having those boundaries with ourselves we're not really setting effective boundaries. So the first one doesn't actually come from like trying to like focus on how we're going to talk to our family or friends. It's how we're going to validate our own boundaries and like our relationship with it. Like we have to practice those boundaries first and then like model it to other people and start to express that. And so I would set boundaries a lot, but then like not always practice what I preached. And the more that I'm trying to do that, I think that that also is showing other people too, that it's like, oh, like she means business. Like she's like Mm -hmm. actually like doing this. So Mm -hmm. being, first of all, validating your own boundaries and then also being like very clear with them and being clear with what the boundaries are and um, letting people know we don't have to over explain our boundaries. I think a lot of the time we try to set boundaries and we want people to accept them and be like, oh yeah, totally understand. Or like, I would, I, I agree. And you know, people won't always agree. Like they might think that your boundaries are super whack. And it's like, even if they do, your boundary still for you is what you need. And so the second thing is like being clear and not seeking approval. Because when we try to seek approval is when like, again, we're not being and honoring our first boundary. That's why it goes to step one. We have to really be like buying into our boundaries, knowing they're important because we're not going to be as flexible with step two and like give up on it. And then three is to just like be uncomfortable. It's okay that relationships will ebb and flow when you set boundaries and any relationship, when you change the dynamic, if you change the way you behave or the way you are in a relationship, it's natural. It'll, it'll change in some capacity. That change will likely be temporary, but it'll feel uncomfortable. So to remember that like boundaries might not always feel good, but to know that they're good. Like it doesn't always feel good immediately because when we're in that changing, shifting dynamic, it feels uncomfortable. So a lot of the time when we feel uncomfortable with a boundary, we use that as a sign that they don't need to exist or we made the wrong decision. But to remember that that is a normal part of the process and to still honor them if it's something that will be protecting your mental and emotional energy. Mm. For, um, is there like a, not like a template, but like a phrase or something you'd suggest using for someone who's not like used to setting boundaries like what is what is considered like direct or like you know just not apologetic or whatever but yeah just being like very clear and concise like not feeling we need to over like over apologize for it over explain ourselves just like clearly stating your boundary like what it is using i statements like instead of being like like you make me feel bad when you talk about my weight if I hear people talk about my weight, then I will leave the conversation. Or if mm-hmm. I hear people talk about my weight, 
I feel upset by that. So to protect my energy, I'm going to need to take five minutes away. So keeping it very centered on you because we feel very defense or anyone like when we're told that we're doing something, our initial response is to be defensive. We want to be like, no, we're not like protect ourselves. And so if we're in any way using language that is like you based, another person isn't being receptive and listening to our boundary. Instead, they're on the defense. So like they're approaching that situation with a totally different mindset than like what you're hoping they do in the first place. So really keeping focus on like you, you are the center of the conversation. Mm, Yeah, I can totally see too how that like framing it as if like, like the whole like you using you statements that like immediately they put up a wall, they're on the defense and like they're not open to like hearing what you're saying. Um, But like on this topic of boundaries, um, I think what's what's also been interesting in, you know, this like college transit college transition and moving into like we're building the foundations for like our young adult life, whatever that might look like. Um, One thing that you know, we've also had to kind of go through and deal with is also setting boundaries with like, like parents or like from a family dynamic standpoint, facing like move out guilt and things like that, um, which can be, which is difficult. Um, so along those veins, like what kind of conversations do you suggest we kind of like start to have with our families or maybe with our parents, whoever, like we're living with at home when we start to move out to kind of make that transition easier? Yeah. Yeah. I think like open and clear communication can always at least keep the expectations realistic, right? Like for example, with the move out guilt, one of the biggest things that I see with um, my young adult students or like college age, like that population is like the unclear expectations because a lot of people like, you know, like if someone lives in, cause I'm in the, you know, New Jersey, New York area, like their families live in Jersey, they move to New York city. It's like, oh, their families are like, no big deal. Like you're just moving to the city. But then it's like, oh, well, you'll be here all the time, right? And then when they're like, oh no, I'm just like coming home if it's a holiday, right? There's not that clear expectation. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of being like, all right, like I know we're gonna miss each other, but how about we set a one Sunday a month that I'll come over? Or if you're not that close in distance, like we'll set every other week at this time or you know, on the weekend, let's talk for 30 minutes. Like keeping the expectations realistic Um, And having clear communication because otherwise there's less room for assumptions. So that can be really helpful. And also just like remembering it's part of life. It's part of the process. It's supposed Mm -hmm. to be uncomfortable. Um, I think a lot of the time we end up staying in situations, I mean, for many reasons, but one of them being that we don't want to feel uncomfortable, but like anything with transition is supposed to be uncomfortable. And so that's why I really try to talk more about transition and growing pain. And like, it's something that, we all experience and it's part of being human, but we don't talk about because we like think about it so one dimensionally that it's like, well, after college or when I'm moving out of my parents' house, I should be feeling happy. I should be feeling like I'm thriving, but it doesn't always feel fully that. And so thinking about how experiences are so multifaceted and that it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be uncomfortable. It's okay that it is. And just being clear about it and acknowledging that discomfort with like you and with your families as well because it's a part of the process that like a lot of people a lot of people go through and it's nothing to be nothing to be ashamed of that you feel that way Mm. yeah it's it's funny because like I'm in that stage right now and Sydney and I are both only children which always makes it a lot harder yeah yeah um and just you know I think it just depends also culturally and cultural dynamics and stuff like Sydney already mentioned but um do you have, you know, I love what you said about like, setting clear expectations. Do you have any, like, I guess, like tips for like handling guilt specifically too? Yeah. I think that guilt is an emotion that, I mean, it's like one of the hardest emotions to sit with. And when mm-hmm. we feel guilt, we feel this immediate drive to need to make the guilt go away and do something to make the guilt disappear because the guilt is just the guilt itself is a telling factor that we've done something wrong. So I think to start acknowledging guilt, like any other emotion that it doesn't have to mean like you've done something wrong. Um, I know that that for me too, has been whenever I had guilt come up, it would be like a signal of like, oh crap, I need to, this was the wrong decision or like they're mad at me or I messed up in some way. But realizing that like, 
guilt is an emotion just like any other and it's okay that it exists and like how can we work with the guilt and not have so much shame around feeling that way because like it's okay that we feel guilty about things because a lot of time it means we have care toward that person like we care about our families in a lot of senses right when we feel sad about moving out of course we have to hold two and I think that is what's really hard about growing up too because you're kind of straddling two worlds one where you're like I really want to gain this autonomy and like build my own life but also like I have the comfort of my family and that's all I've known. And so like, I want them to take care of me and I want to be in their house and like eat the food my mom makes, but at the same time, (laughs) I want something else. And so navigating both of that, it's natural guilt comes up because we're in between two worlds and we're trying to Mm -hmm. figure out what we want. We're in the process of figuring out what world works for us. So while we're doing that, it's natural that guilt will come up because we're like not really sure which world you feel fully connected to. So it's, it's not, it's a natural part of that experience is guilt. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate like throughout this conversation too, how we, you know, we brought up these things. Well, how do we deal with guilt? How do we deal with like comparison? And it's just really interesting to me how, like when, when you talk about like normalizing these feelings, I think it's just a really important takeaway because I feel like so often we, you know, as soon as these emotions or feelings come up, like with guilt or with comparison, we immediately kind of want to just like, like shut it down or like do something about it but everything that you're saying is actually kind of encouraging to like oh be aware and like recognize that emotion and what you're feeling um especially with like what you were saying earlier with comparison and how it's a very like all of these like emotions are natural and so part of kind of like growing growing and and overcoming you know like the more negative ones part of a huge part of that from what it sounds like is also kind of like accepting that emotion for what it is too exactly like our emotions don't have to be these enemies that we're like Mm -hmm. trying to like demolish like they're our teachers they're they are supposed to help us learn and navigate life so like let those natural parts of being human help you in the process like transition is so hard and like your emotions are there to help guide you Mm. yeah I would think too like um you know (laughs) the pandemic has definitely been like probably one of the worst times like transitions are hard right and like <laughs> graduating college and going to adulthood is whole is hard but like throw a pandemic into the mix oh and then totally it's, like <laughs> everything is like out the window yeah. um and you know people like in their early 20s are like experiencing some of the highest rates of loneliness I remember hearing too like throughout last year that like therapist appointments were like booked up super far in advance and like were really hard to find because of just all of these emotions coming up, like with the pandemic, isolation, being stuck at home. Um, what are some of your tips for healing from COVID related trauma? Yeah. I mean, COVID is a collective trauma, like the <laughs> amount it is, it is not something anyone has been prepared for. And like, think about it. Our brains were not trained to function in a global pandemic of two years. Like we just were not equipped for that. And a lot of the time, like the way we live life is based on our past experiences. Like our brain is like a sponge. Like we take in information from everything and then we apply it to our lives. And that's how we try to function. So like when the pandemic hit, our brain was not like, oh, let me look in my like memory file cabinet and look for like global pandemic. From 1918. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, oh no, I was not born then. (laughs) that is not a thing. So, you know, we're all navigating it together for the first time. And so, yeah, like one, it is so tough because, you know, I know so many therapist appointments are booked up. There are wait lists. Like you think that therapy is something that aligns with you. Like I'd encourage people to try and find like a therapist in a way that it is a bit of more of a process now. Like you can find a great therapist. And before, you know, it might've been one or two phone calls. Now it might be like seven or eight, but like to still try to encourage yourself to do that if that is something that aligns with you. Um, In terms of just loneliness, it is really tough. I think that like one of the things I've been sharing a lot on my Instagram recently is loneliness. And my most, um, I posted actually about loneliness in your 20s and 30s because Mm -hmm. research shows that that's where the most loneliness happens. And I've never had a post like have so much engagement. Like it is insane how much engagement that post has had. And I've had people DMing me being like, I've never seen someone talk about this. Like I've been lonely and I didn't understand why. And it's just because there's so much transitioning happening in the twenties and thirties and loneliness is not a result of not having people around us. That's a really big myth about loneliness is like, I have friends. Why am I lonely? It doesn't matter if you have like people around you, but it's like, 
the uh, it's not the absence of people but it's the absence of authentic meaningful deep fulfilling connection and like when we are in these stages of transition it's so hard to like know what authentic connection means to us because we're growing and like in different stages of life and where we are we grow and outgrow con- relationships continuously and during those transition processes we are in this limbo phase where like we don't feel super deeply connected to people because we've grown in certain ways that maybe is in a different growth pattern as them and we don't know how we mix anymore and our puzzle pieces just don't fit and so we don't feel authentically connected and i think that was a big thing with covid too because we all grew in so many ways because with trauma too right it's it we're struggling so deeply we're all going through our own mental, mm. emotional struggles. And we don't always feel aligned with those around us because other people are also going through it. So it's really hard to connect to people because we're going through our stuff. People are going through our stuff. It's like a very unique situation of like not really knowing how to support one another when we are mm. all struggling at the same time. And I think that can really hinder the way we connect as well because we, we, we weren't really taught how to do that. So I think that I've been noticing has had a really big impact and connection too. Mm-hmm. We can still have friendships and feel deeply connected in them, but be like, I'm struggling. My friend is struggling. We don't talk the same way anymore. And like, there's a disconnect, but a mm-hmm. lot of it is, is because of the pandemic. Like we're all really in a place of pain and not knowing how to cope, not knowing how to manage. We don't feel connected to ourselves. Like when we're mm-hmm. in this kind of a state, like how can, we, how can we connect with other people when we feel so disconnected with ourselves? Right. Yeah. And I think along the lines, like what you were saying, what, you know, we recognize like our, like we are struggling and then we see our friends or like family also going through things. And I feel like in a way that's almost like an inhibitor too, and like actually opening up and having conversations. I know like for me personally, sometimes it can be kind of hard to like start those conversations about like, here are all the burdens that like I'm experiencing, but like, you know, it's almost like, uh, guilt isn't the right word, but almost just like a reluctance to kind of start talking about those things. It's like, well, I recognize you're going through something. I don't want to then burden you further with my, you know, um, but yeah, I think it's an important reminder that having those conversations is, is really important too. Thank you so much for your time, Divya. I think like our biggest takeaway here was like, this is a very, very uncomfortable period of our lives, but mm-hmm. you know, it is something everyone goes through and it's normal. And, um, you know, like Sydney said, like, I love that you specifically touch on all these emotions don't have to be like shut down all the time, which is what we automatically go to is like yeah. these uncomfortable emotions. I like, don't need to be like, how do I get rid of them? It's like, mm-hmm. how do we live with them and acknowledge them? And so um, that was a key takeaway for me. So thank you. Um, and I think I said, I was just thinking we should have a whole other episode on like people pleasing. How to stop oh, that. yeah. <laughs> that could be an episode or two or three. Yeah, <laughs> know, really, we're looking at a lot of part twos in the future. Yeah. Part two part. You can listen to our podcast weekly on Spotify or Apple Music and find our blog at thereimaginedpodcast.com. Follow our Instagram and LinkedIn at The Reimagined Podcast to stay up to date on all the things we're reimagining.